You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, Everybody, it's Dan Savage. Welcome to the Savage Lovecast, the once a week out loud version of my sex advice column, Savage Love. The number here at the Lovecast, 206 201 2720. We've got lots of questions to get to this week, and we're going to get to them right after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for details. Hey, Dan. Um, we're here in a ladies' book club, and we were just talking about this question, the um, if you eat pineapple, does your cum taste good question. <laughs> and um, some of us believe after our online research that this is not true, even though you've said it on your podcast in the past. And I know that you have a scientific guy that you consult every now and then. I just want to know, is this really, really true or not? I don't know, for girls, for girls, for guys, what, uh, is there anything we can eat that's going to make us taste better? Look, I don't have the science at my fingertips. I don't have the double-blind study. I don't have the data. But you know what? Eating a pineapple is not going to make your vagina taste any worse. Right? And all I'm talking about, and this is so self-evident and obvious we don't even need to study. It's not like you can drink nothing but Diet Coke and coffee and Jack Daniels and eat nothing but Burger King and McDonald's and Wendy's and then top that off with a little pineapple and your excretia is going to taste good. You have to have, as I have said on the podcast and in the column and at colleges and everywhere else I go, what comes out of you is going to be impacted in a huge way by what you put in to you. So if you have a balanced diet, you don't eat too much crap, it's not all pot and booze and junk food, uh, you drink water and you eat fruit and eat vegetables and not just processed foods and sugar and meat, your cum's going to taste pretty good, your saliva's going to taste pretty good, your breath's going to smell pretty good, your urine, if you want to go there, probably tastes less despicable than it might otherwise. And then, of course, there's your poop, which we will not talk about on the podcast because it's a scat-free zone, at least today. So it's not like, you know, a piece of pineapple can undo all the damage to your vaginal fluids that you're doing if you drink nothing but Diet Coke all fucking day long. And you sound like the type. I'm just saying you sound like the type. But eat a balanced diet, a lot of fruits and vegetables, a lot of water, uh, fruit juices, uh, not too much meat, not too much booze, not too much crap, no cigarettes, and your vagina will taste like a lovely bar of lavender soap. Hi, Dan. My name is Kevin. Um, I'm a 19-year-old college freshman in New England, and I have a question about ending a relationship. Um, I've been dating a senior at the same college I'm at since about March. And she is leaving for a four-year PhD program in Germany in two weeks. And um, I really like her a lot. But I really don't see this relationship going past that. I, I just can't give up four years of my life for what I perceive to be a very small chance of this working out. But um, I really like her. And I just don't exactly know how to um, go about ending this uh, relationship before she leaves. So um, I'm just 
hoping you could uh, help me out, give me some advice. I appreciate it. Thanks. She's been dating since March. It's only three months. She's going away for four years. Presumably, you've already had a conversation about you going with her to Germany for four years while she works in this PhD. Uh, and uh, that was a no-go or you're not interested. Um, but you really, really like her and that's really, really sad. And how do you end it? You open your mouth and you tell her the truth. You're going away for four years. The odds of us being together forever are non-existent, vanishingly small. Um, and you just leave the door open. I mean, you break up with her and the only bone you can throw in each other because you like her and she likes you is the possibility that four years from now she's still single and you guys are back in the same place. Roughly, you can revisit the possibilities. You can revisit this relationship, see if you can't uh, pick up where you left off. But otherwise, what you should do now is you should have a very fond farewell. You should fuck the shit out of each other for the next couple of weeks. Uh, you should make plans to go see her or plans for her to come see you if you want to draw it out and suffer, suffer, suffer. Or you should just cut it off clean now, which is what I would recommend. Hey, Dan. Uh, I'm a 23-year-old gay male uh, living in Boston. I want to actually give you a call because I just finished listening to podcast uh, number 83. And twice you made reference to how uh, individuals, whether they're gay or straight, um, should not get married, whether they're 23 or even 30. And I was wondering if you could elaborate on that because I've read all your books and you seem to always make great points, but this time I felt you were a little irresponsible in the way you uh, expressed yourself and, and weren't really giving all the information that you thought you needed to give. Um, so if you could elaborate, that'd be great. Well, 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 being called on the carpet by someone who's exactly 11 years my junior. Never thought I'd live to see the day. Um, I don't think people should marry young uh, because... It, all the stats show that a young marriage is likelier to be a quote-unquote unsuccessful marriage, um, that when people marry young, they're likelier to divorce young as well. Uh, and I'm kind of con divorce. I think that people should date and shack up and live together uh, and make sure that the person that they ultimately, you know, give that brass ring to or that gold ring or that platinum ring and say, you're the one I want to be with the rest of my life, that you should know yourself, you need to know yourself well enough when you say that, to know that that is actually the person you want to be with for the rest of your life. Um, so I'm, I haven't changed my position. I've always told young straight people not to get married young, and now I'm going to tell young gay people in Massachusetts and California that they shouldn't get married young either. And I'm a total stinking hypocrite because I met my boyfriend uh, 14 years ago when he was 23. And we didn't marry for a decade. We waited a decade. We adopted first. We didn't – We you know, we waited a long time before we – not really marched down the aisle, marched across someone's living room in uh, Vancouver, B.C. at an impromptu marriage ceremony. But my hypocrisy doesn't negate the stats, which show that people marry young. Those marriages are seem to be inherently unstable and likely to end in divorce. And I am con-divorce, which is why I'm pro-waiting. If you love him, if you're 23 years old and you love him now – and it's he's the one that, you know what, five years later, he'll still be there. You'll still love him, and he'll still be the one, and you can marry him then. Hey, Dan. This is Mike in the great white north up here in Alaska. I've heard you complain and complain and complain about Wikipedia and, and your age. And it looks like they actually got 
the person who edited that in there got it from IMDB, who has your birth date wrong. At any rate, Wikipedia being the wonderful marvel that it is, and I'm kind of surprised the tech-savvy youth never caught this, you can edit it. So I went in, and I edited it, and Wikipedia doesn't have your age wrong anymore. So, beauty. Well, thank you very much for setting those fucking idiots at Wikipedia straight about my age. It's been wrong on Wikipedia for a very long time. I think there's just a lot of dyslexic people who work at Wikipedia because they're always saying I'm 43 and I'm actually 34, I believe. So thanks very much for your call. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. And I've been downloading a few books because I fly a lot for work and I like to plug in the earbuds and block out the douchebags on the airplane. And uh, there's only so much music a fella can stand every once in a while you got to have some literature without straining your eyes with those bad lights on the airplanes. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get your free audiobook today. Hi, Dan. I am a 23-year-old gay guy, and I recently got out of a relationship with a man who was 12 years older than me. Um, physically, I was very, very attracted to him. Uh, I'm one of those... Skinny guys who's into bigger guys, bearded, bearish, he was all that. It was good. Um, but in the relationship, I always sort of thought that the age difference was a problem, uh, just like we were on two different playing fields, two different stages in our lives. Now that I'm single, I'm starting to think about dating again, um, but the guys I'm interested in are almost always 10 to 20 years older, and I'm sort of worried that... I'm just setting myself up for the same problem. Uh, ideally, I just feel like I should be interested in guys my own age uh, so that if I were to date someone and it became a relationship, we could, you know, grow together, experience things together. I think that it would just be better. Um, so I'm just wondering what you think I should do. Uh, if you have any advice, should I wait 10 years before I get into another serious relationship, try and close the gap on the age I'm attracted to? Do you think I'm always going to be into older guys? Should I just go for it now? Should I stop being a little scrotum and stop fretting about everything so much? Um, any advice you could give me would be great. Thanks so much. So, Steve, I listened to your message, and I, it seems to me that you're there are these guys you think you ought to be dating and these guys you want to be dating. Yeah, that's, that sounds right. And your ought is really fucking with your want? Cause yeah. It sounds like you ended this relationship or it helped to sabotage it because, you know, you're different stages of your life and you felt that you were on different playing fields and waka waka. Well, there were, there were a lot of problems with the relationship, but it was, it was a factor, yeah. It, it seems to me that you need to accept that, you know, your dick wants what your dick wants or your ass wants what your ass wants. And... Uh, the, you know, being at different stages in your life is going to come with it. It's going to come, you know, it's partly dictated by who and what you're attracted to. Instead of regarding that as a problem, you just have to accept it as a condition of okay. being with the men that you're sexually attracted to. That they're going to be a little older, they're going to be a little more established, and you may have to 
you know, if you want them, if you want, if you want this next guy that you date, if you find a guy that, you know, there aren't other issues with and that you can see yourself with long term, that you may have to, you know, accept, accept some power imbalances or accept that he's at a different stage in life. Maybe he can't move as easily as you can move or move in with you as easily as you could move in with him mm-hmm. and just roll with it. Roll with the dictates of the, you know, cruel master that is your libido. <laughs> So you're saying I should just uh, get over it, basically? Yeah, you should date the guys you're attracted to. And, you know, this guy was how old? The guy you just broke up with? Uh, he was 12 years older than me. Okay, so he's, you know, he's only in his early 30s. Right, yeah. Right? So it's not like you're into guys who are 55, necessarily. Um, you know, and speaking as a 34-year-old myself, I would say that, you know, 35 is not that old. <laughs> no, no, and it was, it was, of course not. It's young. It's so young. Um, but... I don't know. I just I'm just wondering am I is this just my type or like when I'm a 30 something do you think I'm still going to be into older guys and then I'll be into 40 somethings and if that's the case maybe I should just really get over it because it's always going to be with me. Perhaps you, and you'll know when you're 30 something. Okay. You know, either it's going to move right along with you all your life and it'll always be guys who are 10 to 15 years older. <laughs> Or, you know, when you're 58, you'll be attracted to 35-year-olds still. Um, There's only one way to find out, and that's to let the Earth continue to rotate around the sun for another decade or two. But you can't stress out about it too much. You know, most, and I will say that most people I know who, when they're young, are attracted to older people, that it tends to move with them through life. That, you know, when they were 20, they were attracted to people in their 30s. When they were in their 30s, it's 40s. It's about this... You know, the social or, or you know emotional need to be with somebody who's a little who they perceive as being a little older, a little wiser, a little bit more of a daddy type, a little bit more stable, mm-hmm. to make up for whatever you know homo social sexual needs that you have, what you're going to the relationship for, what you're hoping to, uh, you know, the parts of yourself that you're hoping to have complimented by your partner, that those traits are something that you perceive as complimenting. I don't want to say deficits in your own character because it's not what I mean at all, but it just w- works well with who you are, homo, socially, sexually. I just need to accept it because you know what? You can't fight it. And if you date some guy who's your age that you're not physically attracted to because on paper it's better and more appropriate or you're at the same stages in your life and it feels like an even playing field and there isn't a power imbalance around career or income or smarts or you know life experience and wisdom... But you're not sexually attracted to him. That's just going to sabotage the relationship, too. Right. That's And that's what I was trying before I had this long relationship with this guy. I was dating guys my age for, like, a month, and I just couldn't really get into it. How long were you with this 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 incredibly old fart? <laughs> uh, about two years. Okay. Well, clearly you're capable of having a long-term relationship. If at 23 you've had a two-year-long relationship, he just wasn't the one. Find another guy who's your type. There's, and there's plenty of gay guys in their mid-30s and 30s who are down with the 23-year-old thing. Okay. Find one who doesn't fetishize 23. Find one who can treat you like an equal human being, uh-huh. and you'll be uh, laughing. You make it sound so simple. It really That's... is that simple. All right. I'll just go for it then. And I'm, I'm sure my fellow 34-year-olds will thank me. Okay. I didn't know you were 34. It doesn't say so on your Wikipedia page. Yeah, I know. My Wikipedia page is wrong. <laughs> They're dyslexic over there. They say I'm 43. I think someone's just flipping it. All right. <laughs> and they say I was born in 64, and I was actually born in 76. Well, gosh. <laughs> I just all screwed up over there. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Dan. Bye. All right, bye.
Hi, Dan. My name's Mike. I live in Madison, Wisconsin. I was watching Pan's Labyrinth one day, and through a chain of events, I went on the Internet and found that there are people, specifically one person who's gained notoriety, Armin Maivis or something from Germany, that have advertised on the Internet for voluntary victims to be slaughtered and consumed. And my reaction to this is just, you know, what the fuck? What the fuck? Apparently this is not an isolated incident. I've looked, I, I'm looking at Wikipedia right now, and I've read other articles that have confirmed what Wikipedia says. Apparently there are still people out there doing this. I mean, what the hell? I don't know. Just what? What's your? What are your thoughts on this? Because I'm dumbfounded, and I don't, I don't know how to make sense of this. If we've established anything on today's show, I hope it's that you cannot believe everything you read on Wikipedia. I'm just going to leave that there. Forty-three, my ass. Um, my opinion on people who advertise on the internet for victims who want to be slaughtered and eaten uh, is similar to yours. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, some people are sick and twisted and fucked in the head and are saddled with impossible to realize sexual fantasies and, and fetishes. Where does it come from? The taboo of it. Cannibalism. I don't know if you got the memo. I don't know if it's there on that portal of inaccuracies and defamation known as Wikipedia. I don't know if it's there, but cannibalism is kind of a taboo. We don't consume people. And yet, you know, most of the Western world goes to church. Well, not most goes to church. You know, we live in the Western world uh, with a dominant religion for 2,000 years where we all go kneel in church on Sunday and eat the body and drink the blood of the guy nailed to the cross hanging over the altar. That can have an impact on some people's inner erotic lives, even if they didn't go to church. Just all this sort of quasi-religious cannibalism sloshing around in Western civilization for 2,000 years. Some people, you know, their brains just fold in their fucking gray matter, snaps onto it and fetishizes it and eroticizes it in this fucked up interesting way that, you know, if you can explore it through fantasy all your life, never actually slaughter and eat anyone, never actually be slaughtered and consumed – more power to you. That's the only ethical way to indulge and enjoy uh, a cannibal fetish or a cannibal fetishist. Uh, but it comes from the taboo. It's totally fucked up. And again, people, don't believe everything we don't wiki. Hey, Dan. Uh, I am a 29-year-old queer femme, and I live in the New York metro area. And I was calling, uh, I was sort of inspired, actually, and I wanted to express my condolences for the loss of your mother, but I was inspired to call you uh, from the memorial you did to her in your column where you attributed your bionic bullshit detector to your mom. And what has inspired me to call is I feel like I want to develop a bionic bullshit detector, and I am absolutely broken in that department. Uh, I was engaged to a trans guy uh, for, we were together for two years, and as we, you know, sort of broke up, and we re-originally broke up because, you know, he was depressed, and, you know, we were going to couples counseling, and he just, you know, needed to take some time, and, you know, as we were breaking up, it sort of came out about his infidelity and how he had been cheating on me for eight months, um, having an emotional affair with one of my friends uh, from out of town. 
And the day after he broke up with me in an email, he drove to go see her and start up a relationship with her. So I had that scoundrel who I had no idea about the infidelity. And then uh, to follow that up, I made a really bad decision in the rebound about five weeks after we broke up. I got together with her ex-girlfriend who she had been cheating on with my fiancé. So, you know, of course I took the road more dramatic, but the weird part about that is that that girl and I sort of developed this really intense relationship right away. Like we were together for like, yeah, four weeks or so. And then, um, we cooled things off. But even when we were cooling things off, we were still like talking on the phone all the time. We were still sleeping together and kissing and all of that kind of stuff and seeing each other periodically because it was long distance. But then I found out that that girl had started up being monogamous with some other, you know, friend of mine, and it was some complicated lesbian drama bullshit. But, like, I had no idea. And she was totally lying to me about a whole bunch of other stuff that I had no idea about, and it all came out in the aftermath. And it was just like I couldn't believe that my rebound from this scoundrel ended up being even more of a psychopathic sort of pathological liar type. And I'm just trying to figure out, Dan, how do you figure, how do you know this stuff? Like when people are lying to you and how do you know um, how to like read through it? Because I thought, you know, you know, I, I, I thought for sure there's no way this girl could do this to me. I mean, we were both lied to by the same people and then she lied to me way more than my fiance ever had. So anyway, that's my sort of complicated story of why I need to learn how to develop more lie detection skills. Hey, Dan Savage. How are you? I'm very good. How are you? I'm doing well. We just tried to call you at work. Um, oh, your other did my gate. Yeah. Yeah, but you didn't leave a name, and I didn't want to ask uh, your office for to page the 29-year-old queer fan. <laughs> you know, they know who I am. <laughs> just that's your mom. Is that on your business card? Well, I have a business card that says that, but um, no. I mean, it's a small office. They sort of know my bag. Okay. <laughs> The two relevant things I need to know before I can offer you an advice. How, you're, you're 29. How long have you been out? Uh, ten years. Ten years. So you're not some newbie. No, how not long? at all. So how, you've been dating women for a decade. For a decade, yeah. And you're still picking liars and shits out of the pile. You know, I think my picker was fine until the scoundrel from, like, my, my fiancé, basically. Like, okay, he was so, the first person. So it's not like you need bionic bullshit detectors. It's just that you had a little bad luck. Even with bionic bullshit detectors, you sometimes you misread people. I mean, but he, I mean, we lived together. I had no idea. He cheated on me for eight months. And, like, I really, I didn't have a clue. Mm-hmm. And, like, I felt like, I mean, it's funny because, like, the first rumor of infidelity floated my way, and I was... I laughed out loud. I was like, that's ridiculous. And then I had a friend who, like, really encouraged me to, like, dig around and find out more. And I did. And then I found out more. And then, like, basically he bailed out of the relationship before I even fleshed out entirely what happened. Why were you engaged to and living with someone? uh, You have to go to couples counseling. I'm sort of anti-counseling and anti-therapist a bit. Uh And it just, when Uh I meet people who have been together, you know, less than 24 months and they're already in couples counseling? I don't understand why they're bothering. You know, I, I, I actually agree with you, um, and this was really towards the end when we were going, and we were really, the thing that we were working out mostly was that we were non-monogamous um, throughout the duration of our relationship. It was mostly in... Um, how, do you cheat in an, how do you cheat in an open relationship? 
Well, it's really easy. I mean, the whole point of having an open relationship is being honest and communicative. And when you're not being honest or communicative about what's going on, and I mean, it was mostly so the hiding, thing that bothered hiding the piece on the side. Your hiding. open agreement was disclose, 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 and uh-huh. he hid. Exactly. Exactly. And then the issue happened when I actually exercised my non-monogamy uh, when I went away to the Michigan Women's Music Festival, um, where and I had like a twenty webs, minutes. You weave, you lesbians. I know. You're, I know exactly. He's. Why can't you lesbians settle down? What is it with lesbians and cheap, meaningless sex and lesbian bathhouses? You know, that's the thing. Exactly. Lesbians are all about that. So what's your Um, question? You've given us the tales of woe now a couple of times. You've elaborated. Did you actually have a question beyond, or did you just want to commiserate? Because I'm totally down with the commiseration. (laughs) Commiseration. No, my real question is, because what startled me most was, you know, I had that situation with him, and then I immediately rebounded with a girl who ended up, like, lying to me way worse than he ever did. You know, like, he, she just, like, lied. And she lied to me about, like, her best friend got really sick um, and got cancer and was up here, like, this is long distance. And, um, and she lied to me about... Um, like the characterization of their relationship. She lied to me. She actually got monogamous with someone else and then was still fooling around with me when she would come up. Yeah, I love in your call when you described how you decided to cut you know, cut back and not see each other so much, but you were still constantly having sex, talking on the phone and seeing each other all the time, which I love that as a lesbian's definition of cutting back and yeah, cooling yeah. it off. We've we cooled it off to the point where we're just <laughs> seeing each other all the time, talking all the time, and fucking all the time. Which makes like, the lesbian um, cooling off period more intense than my relationship with my boyfriend. Well, I mean, we're lesbians. So we don't do anything half that. <laughs> Well, you do have to wrestle with that all your life as a lesbian. You know, men, men, gay men, we can talk about, you know, there's the, gay, there's the male fear of intimacy, intimacy thing, and gay men are, you know, we have that cubed in our relationships. But because you're not allowed to say anything on an advice program, because this is a format dominated by women that isn't a complimenting women as being innately superior to men in all respects, uh-huh. we're not allowed to acknowledge the burdens that women who are in relationships with women have to bear, which is that women are fucking crazy. Uh-huh. And so if you're women dating women, you have twice the craziness. I feel like dating women is a lot more drama, and dating men is a lot more bullshit. I completely agree. But I'm not on the dating- stage, so I'm glad you said it. And I'd like to retract okay. me saying women are crazy. I was just trying to draw you out so that you would make the yeah. incriminating comments and I would be off okay. free. I appreciate that, Dan Savage. Uh- <laughs> Uh, passing the buck in that way. But all you have to um, do is, like, what I tell gay men to do is, like, you go into a relationship with a new guy, you have to treat him like he's a Vietnam vet until he proves to you that he's actually sane. Uh, not uh-huh. that all Vietnam vets are crazy, but enough of them are crazy, they need to be a little concerned. Uh, you need to go into each new relationship. And this is the bullshit detector part of it. You have to go into each new one wary. You know, a relationship uh-huh. is really a, let, a, a letting down of your guard, and that process needs to be gradual. Someone has to earn your trust. You shouldn't just hand it to someone or give them the benefit of the doubt or assume that they're a good person because they're queer like you or a lesbian we have no leg up on decency and honesty and stability being queer we actually have a leg down yeah and when you go into a relationship you have to be like you know what i like you and i'm giving you the benefit of the doubt by even dating you but uh-huh. you have to earn my trust gradually and, and and i will come to trust you and you'll come to trust me and then you know sometimes you in that discovery process you discover they're fucking crazy and then you get the fuck away from them it's like chaotic bullshit detectors mean you never get into a relationship with someone who's not a shit or user ever again. It just means you, you go through the gradual discovery, you allow them to earn your trust, and then if they do something shitty or you realize that you've put your trust in someone who doesn't deserve it, you run. You don't run the yeah. couple's counseling. You don't... 
you know, you don't hold their hands while they sob to you about a friend who may or may not have cancer, who you may not even believe exists. You know, I, I was in a relationship very young with a pathological liar, and after a while, I was like, realizing I was complicit in the lies because I would sit there and go, oh yeah, oh yeah, when I didn't believe him. Wow. He needed to just say, bullshit, bullshit. And then he, you know, melted into a puddle like the Wicked Witch and disappeared. The same thing. Like pathological liars do. But see, here's the thing. Like my friends and I, we had a whole state of scoundrels in our friend group. And, like, I mean, like, one guy was hiding a heroin habit. Um, and, like, another one was, like, cheating on her with, like, six different people. And, like, we're trying to figure out this sort of Cosmo quiz to figuring out whether or not people are scoundrels. Like... We've, we've sort of narrowed it down to a few questions. Like, one was um, whether or not they have, like, a, if they've lived someplace for a long time and they don't have a steady group of friends that has sort of consistently stayed That is a good sign of scoundreldom. Uh-huh. If they don't have a posse, after they don't have friends, uh-huh. that usually means they can't keep them. But you need to sometimes uh-huh. give a loner a benefit of the doubt because some people just yeah. are standalone types. Also, I think a really good measure is the kinds of relationships they have with their exes. You know, mm. people who are in relationships and they don't work out, there may be a stormy parting of ways where, you know, feelings are hurt and wounds have to be cauterized by a little, you know, heat. Um, but most people who are halfway decent human beings will be able to recognize, even if they weren't the right one for that person or vice versa, that there was something they liked about that person and they can have a relationship. And if I may give myself a blowjob for a second here, um, you know, I have two serious long-term ex-boyfriends, one of whom is a hairdresser who cuts my son's hair and my boyfriend's hair, and one of whom is a really good friend who I see whenever I'm in New York who stays with us when he comes to Seattle. Like, it's a really good measure of somebody's sanity the kind uh-huh. of relationships they have with their exes. It seems to me that if you had investigated the relationships that either of these two people had with their exes, you would have discovered the drama immediately. Why did your uh, fiancé, uh, partner in couples counseling, hide this relationship with this other woman if you guys were in an open relationship? I have no idea to this day. I still don't know what or why. Like, had he come clean, like, I mean, we went down, this is uh, like it's friends that lived, you know, a few cities away, like several states away. And we went down for a visit. I went wedding dress shopping with this girl. Like, the whole visit was sort of about my wedding. And, like, then, like, that's when he started up with her. And, like, had we had a conversation then, like, I'm feeling this kind of way about your friend. I'm really confused. It would have saved me. I mean, it still would have fucking hurt, but it would have saved me, like, the tremendous amount of grief of, like, not even knowing who I was with, like, and the veracity of anything he said to me over the last eight months. Well, that sounds like, you know, a, power, that sounds like a power trip. When somebody yeah. fucks somebody's friends behind their back and even an open relationship keeps it from them, it sounds huh. like a power thing where, yeah. you know, they're doing you dirt behind your back, getting away from it. They're chuffed by what they're getting away with. And uh-huh. they're probably, you know, there's a slight, there's a degree of, you know, sadism there where they know for a fact when this comes out, and it will come out because it always comes out, that you're going to be that much more hurt by it. Yeah. So let's write off uh, the X as an ass. Yeah. And be done with it. <laughs> and in future, look to, you know, signs of assholery uh-huh. in future uh mate potentials. And, you know, the, the, the test of whether you're a good dater or a bad dater or a successful dater or an unsuccessful dater is not that, you know, the proof is not that you never wind up in bed with someone who's uh-huh. crazy or an asshole. It's the alacrity with which you jump back out of that bed when you realize you're in bed with an asshole or yeah. a liar or an abuser. Yeah. 
You know, we all, yeah. nobody has 100% track records on spotting the assholes and spotting uh-huh. the bullshitters. The only place where you can bat a thousand is getting the fuck away from them when they've revealed themselves as what they are. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I've been successful in cutting all ties and moving the fuck on. Well, good. And you're yeah. 29, you said? 29. Okay, well, when you're 34 like me, you'll, you'll see these things more clearly. Even more clearly. Uh, one more thing that we came up with for, as part of the Cosmo quiz was saying I love you too soon. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I love you too soon is a red flag. Yeah. And that's like lesbians defined. And we're going to leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. This has been the Savage Lovecast brought to you by me, Dan Savage, and the tech savvy at risk youth the phone number here at the podcast 206-201-2720 if you'd like to record a question for a future podcast please try to keep it under two minutes and please uh, leave a number so that we can give you a call back if we have follow-up questions download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage i blog every day at slog.thestranger.com and our intro and outro music is by the popovers and you can visit them at www dot myspace.com slash the popovers thanks very much everybody be back at you next week another little bit of podcast